four Sundays, four candles, in anticipation of Christmas, but much more than that. In anticipation and preparation for all the ways that Christ has, does, and will come into the world. And our English word, Advent, comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning arrival. With Mary, we are waiting for God to birth something in us that will bring life to the world. In today's lesson from the prophet Isaiah, we hear about in days to come. In today's lesson from the Apostle Paul, we hear about the day is near. And finally, in our gospel lesson, Christ Jesus tells us, but about that day and hour, no one knows. In the prophetic tradition of the Old Testament, the people of God, Israel, are frequently encouraged to look to and wait for the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord in this Hebrew tradition is a day when God will act. The day when God will exercise his power upon people and nations in a decisive way. In today's passage, Isaiah declares, The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains. He shall judge between nations. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Now they shall learn war anymore. That doesn't sound too bad. Now in this Hebrew tradition, an expectation developed over the centuries in relation to a day of the Lord, when God would act decisively through a messianic figure, a figure whose ancestry could be traced back to King David, the greatest monarch of Israel's golden age. Now from our vantage point centuries later, it's easier for, for us to see that this Anticipated figure is Jesus. Yet Jesus himself picks up this prophetic tradition of the Old Testament and he utilizes this concept of the day of the Lord. Again, about this event, Jesus says, But about that day and hour, no one knows. These words have inspired speculations of countless sorts for centuries. The words of Jesus and others from the New Testament are responsible for the traditional Christian belief in the second coming of Christ or the return of Christ. Now Anglicans or Episcopalians do not emphasize this belief as much as some other Christians do. But we're reminded about it every week in the Nicene Creed. He shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead. The Creed, like the prophetic literature of the Old Testament, connects the act of judgment with the day of the Lord. 
Now much more can be said about the day of the Lord, about the prophetic literature, and how first century Israelites and first century Christians understood it. But what of us today? Keep lost. When you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening at midnight at cock row or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. So begins morning prayer on this first Sunday of Advent. Wake up! Last evening, I drove home from Chicago, and I'm still learning to judge when it will be dark, especially after daylight savings time a couple of weeks ago, especially as a new driver. After a long day of traveling, I found myself on Highway 20, just outside of Stockton, Illinois. I think some of you know where I'm going with this. And it's a dark and windy Highway 20 at that time with lots of oncoming lights. Let's just say I was fully awake. I was anxiously keeping watch. And I was joyfully looking forward to pulling onto my street. The seriousness of keeping watch on the one hand, and the joy of anticipating the day of the Lord on the other permeates this Advent season and all of our readings in these weeks. And we're called to live in this tension, this joyful vigilance right here, right now. Again, a travel story. I was in O'Hare last week flying out to Seattle. And it was the same old, busy airport that it always is. But yesterday when I got off the plane, I was shocked. It had been transformed. The high sunlit ceilings were now filled with tons of decorations and twinkle lights. And among the garden, gardens and all of the greenery, there was this huge earth hanging suspended from the ceiling at least 20 feet in diameter. And all around it were climbing peace stubs. Peace It was unexpected, and it was unexpectedly beautiful. And in that moment, again, as I was pondering the fact I still had at least four hours to go before I got home, I was pondering that under this piece, these peace stubs and this earth were people from all different nations speaking all different languages. And was this not, even in our commercial experience of holidays, a glimpse of this coming day of the world, this coming kingdom, in the least likely location? But all of us would be united as one. Nation shall not lift a sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. We have 
a long road to travel until we're home. Peace does not permeate our world. The kingdom of God, a place of peace, seems so distant. Would we even recognize it? Would we even recognize ourselves in this new world that God is calling us into? We want peace, but God's true peace requires judgment. It requires judgment of all that is right, of all that is sinful, of all that is the opposite of the flourishing of life. You've heard me say many times, you'll hear me say it right now, it is not what we do, but what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ that saves us. It is by grace that we have been saved and not by our works. Yet our receiving of God's grace does not make sin any less sinful. Sin is judged by God. And we hear this throughout these scriptures. We will be judged, and by grace, we will walk through that judgment. We need not fear it. We need not fear the day of the Lord. We can look forward to that day in anticipation of the full restoration of all that is wrong with the world and the fullness of beauty and peace and love that will be revealed. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. That's an active action. The judgment in Advent, the Advent passages, this coming day of the Lord is the unmaking and the remaking of the world. Not only are the elements of war remade into tools for growing things, but the desire to use those weapons is remade in every human, in every community, and every part of creation. And I have to wonder, would I recognize myself in this new world without my petty jealousies, without my anger without my ambitions or my justifications? Will I recognize myself with the fullness of love and peace permeating every atom of my being, every thought, every feeling, every action? Will I recognize the world? Will you? So amazing and wonderful and healing is this day of the Lord when it arrives. And so I invite you. No, I actually call you. I exhort you. Wake up. Keep watch. Imagine this day of the Lord. Pray for a glimpse of it. Pray 
in this coming kingdom and for how the world will be remade at the return of the king. And then, when you have that glimpse, act. Do one thing this week that celebrates this coming kingdom. Maybe respond in peace rather than in anger. Maybe offer food or friendship to someone who is hungry or lonely. Maybe it's to speak out against violence, wherever you see it, small or large. Maybe it is to stand with people who are suffering injustice. Maybe it's simply to love even when you don't feel like it. Keep watch. Keep watch for those moments. They go by so quickly. And in that moment, you can be a messenger of this coming kingdom, this day of the Lord. You can look forward to the day of the Lord, not with fear, but in hope that all will be restored and all will be healed. And all will be made right. Let me pray in the words of our colleagues. Almighty God, give us grace to cast the works of darkness and put on the armor of the light. Now, in the time of this mortal life in which you, your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life of the Lord. Through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God.